we began the first part of this month series of messages on worship. Not because we haven't worshipped before, not because you're necessarily doing it wrong or that you're doing it right. It's just that worship is so vital to who we are as the people of God. And a part of worship is praise. Now, if you were to take your dictionary and open it up and thumb through to the P's and find the word praise, you would find a definition that looks, well, something like this. The act of expressing approval or admiration. The offering of grateful homage in words or song, the state of being approved or admired. That definition is technically correct. However, does it really capture the heart of what praise is? The word that we encounter in the Bible, hallelujah. The first part of that is a Hebrew word, halal. It means to praise. That word to praise also means to, to boast or to shine forth like a light. Halal and Yah, which is short for Yahweh, together, hallelujah, means praise the Lord. Whenever you encounter hallelujah in the Bible, it is praise the Lord. Whenever you hear hallelujah uh, said by someone in a worship service or in a song, it means praise the Lord. When you sang it this morning, hallelujah, it means praise the Lord. But it means to boast about the Lord. To shine forth like a light in the darkness, declaring the greatness and the goodness of the Lord. You see, praise is not a sterile act, as a dictionary definition might imply, but is an act of surrender and humility involving our whole being. It is directed upward toward God, but it is outward to all in that they hear us praising The Lord, honoring Him, boasting about Him. Praise is an overflow of the heart. It is an expression acknowledging the goodness and the greatness of God who was, who is, and who always will be. This morning, we will encounter praise the Lord in the scripture that we're going to read. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up. The Psalm 150. Psalm 150 is the last, last book in the book of Psalms. Psalm 150. This psalm begins and ends with a declaration, praise the Lord, or hallelujah. It is the final psalm, as I said, in the book of Psalms. It is placed there purposefully, intentionally. Just as maybe in your, maybe in your home, this is a, a big deal when we decorate the tree is placing the, the angel, or maybe it's a star, as you're decorating a Christmas tree, as the last thing that you place on the top of the tree. Think of Psalm 150 as that final decoration, that final declaration that sits atop all the other psalms. Psalm 150 does not go out with a whimper. The book of Psalms does not simply fade away, 
But instead, Psalm 50, as that final psalm placed there at the end of that books, all those books of praise, Psalm 150 is a trumpet blast of praise to end this book of the Psalms. And so let's consider what we read here. It begins, praise the Lord. The first thing that needs to be noted is this. Praise has a specific direction. It is Godward. Praise has a specific direction, and that direction is Godward. Consider the call of Scripture. And I've just pulled a few out here. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Psalm 145, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. 2 Samuel 22, I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. Revelation 4, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Do you see a theme running through here? God is worthy of our praise. That is why our praise is directed Godward. Because it is He who is worthy of our praise. We do not praise the wind and the rain. For those are creations of God. We do not praise the sun and the moon and the stars. For it was God's hand who flung those out in creation. And though we may be grateful for the people in our lives who have contributed too much, so much to us, some, some have contributed too much, we don't praise them. We praise God for them, for placing them in our lives. It is God and God alone who is worthy of our praise. And that is why this psalm begins and ends with the expression, praise the Lord, because our praise is focused Godward. It is He who deserves our praise. The psalm goes on. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Next, let's note where we are to praise the Lord. And that would be everywhere. We're to praise Him everywhere. It begins by saying, praise Him in His sanctuary. The word sanctuary means holy place. It is typically a building, a place set apart for the worship of God. If we look back in the Old Testament and we see the, the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, and here is just a, a, an image of one of those, a cross-section of it, we see that, that the tabernacle that was set up out in the wilderness was referred to as a sanctuary, a place, a holy place set apart for worship. Later, as the people moved into Jerusalem and, and Solomon built the temple, the temple itself was referred to as a sanctuary because it was designated as a holy place. Now, that doesn't mean that any, no other place was holy or that God wasn't anywhere else, but this was a place specifically designated by God himself as a holy place, a place to come and to worship. Even within the sanctuary, in the Holy of Holies, and I think there's a cross-section of the temple here, all the way back there would be was considered the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant rested. There were heavy curtains that hung over that. Only the high priest could enter once a year, and that on the Day of Atonement. 
This was a place where God said his presence would abide in a special way. It is also called the inner sanctuary. So what we're seeing here, when it talks about praise God in his sanctuary, it is a place that is set apart and designated as a place to come and to worship him. The call to praise God in his sanctuary is a call to praise him when we gather for worship. Though God is present with us everywhere at all times, he is present with us in a unique way as we gather. I've often used Psalm 22.3 to highlight that. In the King James it reads, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You inhabit the praises of Israel. Now, if you've got a different translation, for instance, the the New International Version translates it a little bit differently. Its translation says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And I read that, and I go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound quite right. What's going on here? What happened to be inhabiting the praises of Israel? Where did that go? And so doing a little research, literally, this is what the verse would say. Literally, the verse says, you are the Holy One enthroned the praise of Israel. There are many times in Hebrew and in Greek where you insert a preposition in order to to get things to meet because they didn't punctuate like we punctuate. We don't know where commas go and things like that. And so here you end up with two little bit different translations, and it all depends on where you put the word enthroned. Does it go with the first part of the sentence? That is, you are enthroned as the Holy One. Does it go with the last part of the sentence? That you, you are enthroned or you inhabit the praises of Israel. Which way does it go? Now, here's the good news. Wherever you put it, the truth is the same. And here is the truth. As we come together acknowledging the greatness and the goodness of God, we are restoring Him to His rightful place in our lives, and that is on the throne. Think about this. This is one of the powerful parts of worship. When we come together, we are enthroning Him and putting Him in His rightful place. Daily, you and I nudge him off that throne, don't we? Because we would really like that place of authority. We would really like to be the ones who make the decisions about our lives, who make the decisions of of what, what we're going to do or what we're not going to do. And so we may nudge him off of the throne. But when we come together, when we gather for worship, recognizing God for who he is and declaring his greatness, recognizing his glory, then we enthrone him with our praises. We declare Him as we did this morning in our songs. We declare Him as King. Praise the King. Let that theme ring throughout our building here, our our worship center. Let it ring out in our communities. Let it ring out in Greensboro. Let it ring in Madison. Let it ring on Lake Oconee. Let it ring in Eatonton. Let it ring in Buckhead. Let God's praises ring, declaring Him as King. He inhabits 
the praise of his people. He is enthroned in the praises of his people. And so we see as we come together, as we gather, we are praising him and we are called to praise him. But you know what? When we walk out the door, that doesn't mean the praises are to stop. Because we're also called to praise him in his mighty heavens. Underneath the heavens, wherever we are, we are called to praise him. Under this vast canopy of the stars, the vast canopy of the sky, you and I are to be no less praising God than we were when we were in here. Now, I know it's, it's easy. Some of you get caught at traffic lights, maybe in Athens, and you got on a, you know, a Christian station, or you've got a CD or a tape or something going, and you're singing to beat the band. Maybe there's nothing going except your voice, and you're just singing, and, and you've entered a time of worship at a stoplight. And then you look around. You've been caught. And, and you get kind of a funny expression from the person. But you know what? Our praise belongs on the streets. Our praise belongs wherever we are. This past Wednesday night, a group of, uh, sponsored by the Fellowship of Christian Athletes met on the football field out here at Greene County High School, Fields of Faith, where they declared the praises of the King. You know what? The praises of the King belong out there even more than praising a football team. Our praises belong out in the streets. We are to praise Him under His mighty heavens. If you're saving, you're boasting. If you're saving, you're bragging about God just for Sunday mornings, then you are neglecting your daily worship under the cathedral of His heavens. When my kids were much younger, we don't do this now, I used to take them for walks and we'd observe creation and we'd We'd check out the squirrels running around, chasing each other up and down trees. We'd listen for the songs of birds. Uh, we'd pick up leaves. And Jackie was notorious for this. Jackie would like to pick up the dandelions, those puffy white dandelions, and blow them. And I would let her do that in other people's yards. <laughs> because what she, she thought it was just fun... I knew that she was actually seeding my yard with dandelions. But we'd go out and we'd look at creation. We'd interact with creation. And a part of my responsibility as a parent was to remind my children that this is what God has done. These are God's trees and God's squirrels and God's birds and God's leaves and even God's dandelions. And that we are to thank Him and appreciate Him and adore Him for what He is doing all around us every single day. It is a sad thing when you can go from morning to night and observe creation and not pause to say, God, thank you. When was the last time you just stopped, spent some time in God's creation praising Him for all that He has made? Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Psalm 150 goes on. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. A third thing to note here is that the reason we are to praise the Lord is for what He does and for who He is. When we come together as God's people, it's a time to celebrate His goodness 
It's a time to celebrate His greatness. God alone created the universe. God alone formed the earth and put it in exactly the right place. God alone created the plants and the animals. God alone formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into him. God alone sent his son to die for sinful humanity. God alone opened up the way to heaven so that you and I might enter into his presence by faith. God alone pours out his grace upon us day after day after day. God alone, for all that he does, his mighty acts, is worthy of our praise. But don't get the idea that God is some gigantic cosmic vending machine who just dispenses blessing after blessing after blessing. He is worthy of our praise simply because of who he is not just because of what he's done. For behind all his actions are his attributes. Behind what he does is who he is. And in fact, he does what he does because of who he is. Now, we don't have time this morning to list all the things that God has done for us, nor do we have time to list all the things that God is, all his attributes, all his characteristics But I just want to brush the surface as you become more and more of a person who releases himself to praise and ask ourselves, exactly what kind of God is it that we worship? God, God is infinite. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is faithful and all-knowing. God is love. God is all-powerful. God is eternal. God is self-sufficient. God is just. He is forgiving. He never changes. God is good and gracious and merciful. And this just brushes the surface as to who our God is. As a father, you know, it's easy for me to boast about both the accomplishments of my kids, but also on just how, who my kids are. It's very easy as a parent to boast about what they've done and about who they are. Now, as a child of God, it is my joy to boast in all that my Father, the God of the universe, has done to boast about all that he has done, but also to declare who he is. This is my joy. And the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray and the scriptures we read, all that we do in our time of worship together should cause us to remember the greatness and the goodness of God, to bow in awe and wonder before Him and rejoice that He is our God. He is our Father. He is our Creator. He is our Savior. The psalm goes on. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. That's quite a collection of instruments, isn't it? A fourth thing that we note here. 
is that we're to praise the Lord with everything at our disposal. Praise Him with everything at our disposal. You notice some of the things that are... Music's a big part of our worship service. It is now a big part of our of worship for centuries gone by, as it has been. Music was a part of worship, and they used the instrumentation in order to enhance their praise of God. Notice, notice some of the things that they used here. The trumpet was more of a, the ram's horn, the shofar, and it was, it was to call people to worship. Now, on Sunday mornings, as we gather, we don't use a shofar. Maybe we could do that. Maybe that's an idea. We usually flash the lights. Some of you have noticed that. They used the shofar. It was a, it was a call, a declaration to, to say, hey, come, it's time to gather and to worship. The harp and the lyre were stringed instruments. The lyre, more of what we think of as a harp, the pictures that we have of those ancient harps in, in a lot of ways look like guitars. There was the tambourine, which is very similar to the tambourine that we think of, a, you know, a hoop with a skin stretched over it. Dancing was a part of worship. We don't know exactly what form of dancing took place, but dancing, this release of the physical, was a, a part of that worship. Not only was dancing part of the worship, it mentioned strings, which is kind of a variety of stringed instruments, and flute. In the, in the King James it says organ, but it is basically an instrument that uses wind to produce sound, which actually an organ does, but probably is more like a, a flute that is used that we would think of as a flute. Symbols would have been, and I found this very interesting, the symbols that, I'm not accusing you of anything, but if you've ever seen a video or a picture of a belly dancer, on their fingers they'll have the two small brass symbols that they'll be clinking together as they dance. These are exact kinds of symbols that were used in the worship, these tinkling symbols these these small symbols on the fingers were used in worship but also there were larger symbols these great clashing symbols and we don't know if it's kind of like the what we think of as the big gong kind of thing or whether it was something more of what jay would play on the drums but all of these instruments were used in the worship and the praise of god all of those were there and and what we need to learn from this is whatever instruments were current used in that time they use them in the worship of god when i travel to different places if you go different places especially different cultures you'll see that different instruments i brought uh, i brought the the instrument that was most widely used in worship in african churches not i mean it's not the only one i didn't steal their instrument but i i have one of them this is a uh, this is a drum it is literally if you could see it it is very roughly hollowed out on the inside this is made from a tree that's been hollowed out. It has a, um, sometimes it's goat skin. This is a cow, cow skin that's on it. It's stretched across. It's got wooden pegs that are pounded in here. This is the instrument of worship in African churches. And I can tell you that God is as pleased with this as he is with the fanciest of pipe organs in the greatest of cathedrals. If it is used for his praise... You can use trash cans, pots and pans, as long as being used in order to praise God, it's okay. That's what we can learn from this, this instrumentation. And so what we do here on Sunday is different from what many churches do on their own Sunday as they gather to worship. 
But if it is a genuine act of praise, then that is what God is calling us to do. What is the heart behind it? And then the psalm begins to close. Let everything that has breath. We sang this this morning. Praise the Lord. What do we learn from this? Who is to praise the Lord? Everybody. If we have breath, we're called to praise the Lord. Now here's the sad truth. In the world in which we live, this is not a reality. There are many people who don't acknowledge the existence of God whatsoever. Therefore, they're not going to praise Him, even though they have breath. There are very many who acknowledge a God who is other than the God who's revealed Himself in creation, in His Word, and ultimately through Jesus Christ. And therefore, even though they have breath, they're not going to praise Him. But God breathed life into humankind, and humankind ought to use that breath to boast in the Lord, shining forth His praises for His ears, but also for everyone else to hear. You and I might be able to understand why an unbeliever might not praise the Lord, but we are without excuse. If you're living and breathing, you are called to praise the Lord. You are to magnify His name. You are called to declare His greatness. And when we come together on Sunday mornings, we are here for just such a purpose. Will we do it perfectly? No. Those who speak may trip over their tongues. Those who sing may do so off-key. We may clap out of sync with this music. We may not know all the words to every song. We may, from time to time, not like the tune of a particular song. But we have gathered here to give Him praise. Our purpose is to give Him praise. And even though we may do it weekly, even though we may stumble from time to time, even though our thoughts might drift occasionally to lunch or the Falcons game or the baseball game, even though we might yawn, even though we may sing off-key, even though our clapping is out of sync, even though we don't do it perfectly, God is not here looking at you saying, oops, caught you yawning. Oops, you missed that word in that song. Oops, you didn't stand up when everybody else stood up. God is here engaged with our hearts. And what our bodies do, though imperfectly, should be an overflow of our hearts to God. We are gathered for the purpose of worship. And as long as we have breath, as long as our hearts are beating within us, as long as there is life coursing through these bodies, our determined purpose must be to praise the Lord. And when we do so, we're doing something that we will carry on for all eternity. Will you let me pull the curtains back just a moment and give you an image of what heaven is going to be like? In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 6 and 7, we read, Then I heard what sounded 
like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! What's that word mean? Praise the Lord. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And the bride has made herself ready. Who is the bride? It's the church. We're making ourselves ready to stand at the wedding with our King Jesus. Part of our preparation is praise.